I'm Lisa Mullins, and this is The World. Robert Lepage is big on illusion. He's a director, actor, playwright, and filmmaker from Quebec. He's directed operas, puppet theater, and even two Cirque du Soleil productions. A few years back, New York's Metropolitan Opera asked Lepage to design and direct a new production of Richard Wagner's four-part opera, The Ring of the Nibelung, The Ring Cycle. It turned out to be the most ambitious, expensive, and perhaps risky production the Met has ever put on. It had to use stunt doubles for the first time. A few weeks ago, as the Met was wrapping up its first run of Lapage's 15-hour ring cycle, the world's Adeline Sear sat down with the director. Robert Lepage once aspired to become a geography teacher. He loved to study geology. So I'm very good at identifying you know, tectonic plates and the movement of continents and volcanoes, and I was very much into that. And I even did a piece called Tectonic Plates. Lepage made tectonic plates the dynamic centerpiece of the set he designed for the ring, in effect creating an earth-shaking set for an earth-shaking kind of opera. For this, Lepage wanted to evoke the landscape of Iceland, which made a big impression on him. It makes sense, he says, since the stories Wagner drew upon for the ring came from Icelandic and Norse mythology. People mistakenly think of the ring as, as a German thing. Of course, it's written in German, and, and it's a mythology that Wagner borrowed from the Nordic countries to create this thing, but it's originally from the um, Icelandic Eddas. The Ring Cycle is essentially a story about the pursuit of absolute power, a magical gold ring that will allow its bearer to rule the world. This musical epic involves a lot of drama, drama that Lepage sees in Iceland's shifting landscape. You understand why these stories come from a place like that, because the weather is constantly changing every five minutes. The gods express themselves in the landscape. There's volcanoes, uh, there are sudden activity, and this, I mean, it, everything moves around, and, and you could feel where that mythology comes from. The challenge was to translate that dramatic movement into a set, a single set for the four-part opera. Something that had some kind of movement, where you go from a, a cavern form to a mountain shape, and then to a staircase, a natural stone staircase, and then eventually it all kind of resolves us into a huge giant forest and so so it was important that there was some kind of tectonic movement within the set so his team designed a shape-shifting set nicknamed the machine it's a 90,000 pound structure made of 24 narrow planks connected by a central spine the planks pivot to turn into a floor wall and interactive video screen they also spin independently to create smooth or jagged landscapes. In the opening of the first opera, Das Rheingold, the Rhine maidens are lifted on wires attached to the rising set, and they seem to swim in the waters of the Rhine. It's mind-blowing to see and apparently terrifying for some of the cast. One of the Rhine maidens kind of freaked out at a tech rehearsal where they were practicing their high-wire acrobatics. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Why you? Don't be scared. There you go. Sing, girls. Holy smokes. 
Lepage says he often felt like Christopher Columbus, trying to convince everyone that they were not going to fall off the edge of the earth. Though one singer did fall off the edge of the machine. Soprano Deborah Voigt, who plays Brynhilde, slid off one of the low planks on her first night. And the machine itself had glitches, says New York Times Culture Desk reporter Daniel Wakin. The set had a number of problems mechanically, things not working correctly uh, at key moments in performances. And also there was um, a fair amount of creaking and noise as the set was being manipulated. On the opening night of Das Rheingold, the machine got stuck in a climactic scene. Lepage says kinks are inevitable when you try to push boundaries. There's some amazing, amazing moments in the theater. And there's moments of despair because you go, why did we get ourselves into something like this? But, I mean, you know, you can't make omelets if you don't break eggs. And it was a time where you weren't allowed to replace candles in footlights because um, if you replace it by electricity, then you see too well. Forget about candle footlights. This is a $16 million high-tech set, and many critics and opera fans complained it got in the way of the music. I think the, the controversy over it was partly over the malfunctions, but also partly over the objections of, of some critics and some audience members over the effectiveness of the machine, as, as it's called, as a way of presenting the story. On the other hand, there are a lot of people in the audience and, and some critics who actually liked it a lot. So it's, you know, it's, there's kind of mixed reaction to it. Lepage says some audience members told him his version made Wagner's opus almost painless, in particular the four-and-a-half-hour-long Siegfried. I don't want to sound crass, but you know, some of the most amazing uh, compliments that I've had are people saying, you know, I've seen 50 Siegfrieds and this is the shortest one I've ever seen. What did you cut? Lepage didn't cut anything, but his mesmerizing production seems to make the 15-hour opera cycle fly by. You can judge for yourself. Robert Lepage's production of Wagner's Ring is currently being shown in movie theaters around the country. It returns to the Metropolitan Opera in New York next season. For The World, this is Adeline Sia.